0: Good. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Caffeinate for June the 4th. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to the show. I hope you guys are doing absolutely fantastic this morning. Welcome to the Monday episode where we catch you up on everything that you need to know to start off your week in the most informed way possible as to what is going on in the beautiful, amazing world of gaming. And of course, this Friday, uh, actually Saturday really, well my coverage begins on Friday, but Saturday really does kick off e 3 2018 the electronic entertainment expo it's going to be very very exciting and i'm going to have a ton of coverage for you guys right here on the youtube channel as well as live coverage over on mixer.com slash samuel adams if you did want to give that a look because i'm very excited about the show um I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. I think this is going to be a very exciting year for E3. There are a couple of E3s in the past that have not really sufficed for me and really and really been up to par, but this one has a lot going for it. I want to see more about Anthem. I want to see more about these games as a service. I want to see more Rainbow Six Siege. What's next for that game? I want to see some of the Division 2. That's going to be pretty good, but we've got a ton of games that I am very pumped to hear more about, and I hope that you guys are as well, because we've got a lot to discuss when it comes to the beautiful, wonderful world of gaming. But for those that don't don't know what this show is, uh, this is a morning show that I bring to you guys live every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time right here on youtube.com slash samueladamsmedia if you did want to join live, but the VOD is uploaded afterwards and saved for your enjoyment, or if you want to listen to the podcast version of the show, I have it uploaded on Anchor, and then that is sent out to iTunes, Pocket Cast, a couple of other things, and Spotify is on the way, and I will update you guys over on twitter.com slash prettychillguy whenever that does end up happening, because it seems like that's taking a while um of what I understand it's on mixture or uh, it's on anchor's end of everything where they have to kind of switch things up and do a couple of things because so many podcasts are coming into Spotify that Spotify can't really handle it so anchors having to deal with it. it's it's a big thing it's a big thing also next gaming uh, hundred dollars for a game maybe maybe but uh we will dive in to the first story of the day also no I think you misread the title I do believe you misread the title, but let's go ahead and jump into today's show. That is the intro, and here we are. China's netties invest $100 million in Bungie to make new games. That... Is what you probably meant to say. Bungie wants to become a multi franchise developer, says this will not affect Destiny. This is very exciting for the future of Bungie, a company that I have grown up with and kind of grown up alongside of, and now makes Destiny, which of course is one of the biggest looter shooters of the past five years. Bungie, the studio behind hits like Halo, Myth, and Destiny, has announced a new deal with Chinese online gaming company NetEase to build new worlds and invite players new and old to join us there. In China, NetEase publishes several Blizzard games like Overwatch, Hearthstone, and World of Warcraft, among other titles. Games industry reports that NetEase is making a $100 million investment in Bungie that will snag it a minority stake in the developer, but that apparently won't impact Bungie's agreement with Activision, and any decision to bring Destiny to China is still Activision's own. Those two companies got a 10-year, four-game publishing deal for the Destiny franchise in 2010, and Bungie may be setting itself up for life after the arrangement ends, or simply expanding its focus to develop additional franchises on the side. Back in 2013, we reported on some additional details on the contract, which could have changed since, but circumstances have also shifted since then due to Destiny delays, potential competition like Bioware's Anthem, and the growing popularity of other gaming genres like Battle Royale and squad-based shooters. For now, at least Bungie said it is committed to Destiny and will announce details for year two of destiny 2 on june the 5th which it called an experience that will grow for many years to come our commitment to that world is not diminished by this announcement we have exciting plans for the future of destiny franchise and you will learn more about the next steps we'll take together in the weeks to come NetEase ceo william ding said in a statement that we are excited to partner with bungie as they transform a single franchise development team into a global multi-franchise entertainment studio also nax gaming have a good day man Rasm, hey Samuel, how's it going it's going fantastic my friend welcome to the show i hope you're doing very well. Uh, So this is very exciting here because $100 million, I mean, from a small indie developer up to the biggest developer like Bungie, like your Infinity Ward, whatever it may be, that is not a small amount of money. That is a lot of cash to play around with. So I think this is a fantastic opportunity for the guys over at Bungie to take the time and make something that could be the next Halo, that could be the next Destiny, that could be the next big thing. That's kind of what makes me so excited about this entire setup right here. Because Destiny, as good as it is, is not going to last forever Uh, obviously with what we've seen over the past couple of uh, years with um you know, or past couple of months, really, with Destiny 2 being ridiculed a little bit for the way that it has been approaching uh, the DLC model, the way that it has been approaching uh, the story in the game itself. People are kind of hesitant about Destiny. There's still a huge fan base. Do not get me wrong. It's still doing very, very well. But in the grand scheme of things, can Destiny 3 viably be a big game? Destiny 4, Destiny 5, whatever it may be, can this thing keep going? And my answer, I think, is quite honestly no. So, to be able to look forward and be a forward-thinking company and kind of predict where the industry is going to go over the next 5, 10, 15 years is a big asset advantage because you have the chance to become the next big gaming company, even bigger than Bungie already is. So I think this net-ease investment of $100 million is going to be a good move in the long run because, number one, you get in in China with uh, with potential Activision, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, That could be a big, big bonus, and I'm sure that that conversation has been had over a cup of coffee or something between developers and publishers and stuff like that. Uh, You have to make this more of a global experience instead of just a westernized franchise. But on top of that, uh, the ability to have all of this funding and all of these people that are backing you is just going to be the biggest advantage. Razum says when the original Destiny game needed DLC to keep the story, it wasn't going really well. Uh, It was... Something that requires DLC, I would say that if you get Destiny 1 or Destiny 2, you have to get the expansion pack, just because of the nature of the expansions themselves, it adds so much lore and it adds such an experience to the game, Uh, however... I feel like if they went for the free DLC model as we're seeing implemented in games like Battlefield 5 and also Titanfall 2 and a couple of other games here and there, I feel like if they went with that and just did free updates and maybe added some form of crate if they had to, uh, that could be a big bonus for them. However, there has to be some kind of way to continue monetizing the game because if developers are spending valuable time working, you know, five to ten years on one single title between the beginning of the, de- like the day one development and all the way to the end of the Final DLC. If you're spending that amount of time, just your standard gamer's $60 purchase, it probably is not going to suffice to pay the man hours, the, you know, keep the lights on, do all the bills. It's going to take a little bit more than that. So I understand where they're coming from, and I understand the need to build in the need for DLC in a game. It still kind of isn't fun whenever you have to pay an additional $60 or additional $50 for the season pass or whatever you might have, uh, but it is what it is, you know. So we will see what goes on with this $100 million as Bungie begins to make some moves and implement the cash in the way that they see fit, because I think that it's going to be uh, a good thing overall. And also, it's interesting here, uh, if you notice in the article, it says, In China, Nettie's publishes several Blizzard games like Overwatch, Hearthstone, and World of Warcraft. If you'll notice, the connection here is that Destiny 2 is available on PC via the Blizzard launcher which is now back to being called Battle.net after some fan, uh, fan reaction to that name change uh, so maybe this was a conversation that was spawned off of the fact that Blizzard, uh, you know obviously has their game over on the Activision owned Battle.net and maybe there was some kind of connection there that brought that so you never know what could come from something as small as where your game is available if Destiny 2 had been on Steam it might have gotten a better reception but could they have gotten this $100 million in funding it It's one of those things that really does make you think, so I'm excited to see uh, what comes of the 100 milli, but uh, I suppose it'll probably be a good number of years because you know, now that you have the funding, this is when the fun starts. This is when you get into the development cycle which is something that many developers dread, but also love because it is just the best kind of pain. Moving on to the next story of the day. Also, Spikes, what's going on? Welcome on in. Destiny 2 September expansion and Year 2 content to be revealed next week. This was posted last week, so that means it's coming this week. Exciting stuff. Bungie is hosting a Destiny 2 live stream next week to talk about the game's Year 2 content, including the September expansion. Although Bungie never strictly announced that D2 will be receiving a traditional expansion in September, the developer said that year two for the game starts in September. It has been strongly hinting at quote something new that'll be dropping during the month. And on last night's weekly update, Bungie all but confirmed it at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern time, and 5 p.m. BST. Those are all the same time, just so you know. Uh, on Tuesday, June the fifth, Bungie will host a live stream to discuss some of what it has planned for year two of Destiny two. Quote: We have some big ideas for how we're going to transform your guardian lifestyle and reinforce your hobby as an interplanetary hero we'll talk to you all about it and we'll do it live said deej Uh, the stream will feature some development leads who will go over their goals they have with year two and quote explore deeper into new territory quote we'll have to respond to a bunch of community feedback and unveil some other things you haven't been looking forward to yet we'll top it off with a look at a new roadmap with exciting new promises for everyone it's Steffi, fantastic, I was curious, uh, but welcome to the show, Steffi, I, I, your name was was different than the other platforms, but uh, this is an exciting time for me, because I have said that if I was going to jump into Destiny 2, I would be doing it after the September expansion, because it seems like if it's following the same kind of path as the original Destiny did, that's whenever the game is really ripe for the pick, and that's whenever you jump into it, because there is so much stuff there. There is so much content that is able to be explored, because if you jump in whenever the equivalent of the Taken King comes out, you get the base game to play, which I have not played through. Uh, You get the two expansions that we've had to date, and then on top of that, you get the year two stuff, or the beginning of the year two stuff, at least. And so that's a really exciting time for everybody, because... Again, so much content, like literally so much lore, so many good times to be had, and if you have a fire team to go into it with, or if you can recruit some people from online forums or any kind of looking for game group or anything like that, you can have a really, really good time within the world of Destiny 2, and I think that it is doing nothing but improving, uh, but I saw another article that kind of switched things up and, and looked at this from a different light because I do believe that this is the make it or break it for Destiny 2. This is Bungie's last chance to really impress people and get them pumped up for what is coming within the year 2 because obviously year 1 has been a bit of a rough cycle. We've had some, uh, we've had some changes that have happened within the Destiny universe that have needed to be addressed and they have addressed them very well. However, uh, if they do not debut this in the perfect way, if they do not make this uh the most appealing piece of dlc that we have ever seen and make it so that it is friendly to the gamer it has brought new people in if they don't make it in a specific way they're going to have a bad time over the next course of year two and that is something that the destiny franchise cannot afford uh to partake in so hopefully we will be seeing something that is um you know pleasant something that is that is uh building more out of that lore which i'm sure that it will be because that's how destiny works uh and so i'll be excited to see more about the story i'll be excited to see uh if there is going to be a brand new edition of the game that includes all the dlc to date maybe even the season pass something along those lines we'll see what goes on but again a ton of content a ton of lore and there's a lot to be had within the world of destiny that people don't realize that is out i mean there's a lot of game here, and if you are looking for a looter shooter, do not write Destiny 2 off just because it has been a little bit of a rough go of it so far. The game is still going to make a comeback, I very much so guarantee you. In the chat, Steffi says, uh, yeah, I'm too lazy to change my other YouTube account, no worries. Also, Sean, what's going on? Welcome on into the show, my friend. Uh, but. Destiny 2, more info coming this week, and I'm sure that we will hear more and see more at this year's E3 conference, which again starts on Saturday with the Ubisoft press conference, I think, at around noon, Uh, and then it moves on to Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I think, are the conference days, and then the real show starts on Wednesday where people go and look at games and stuff like that. Uh, But a game with a lot of lore is certainly a game that is, for me, again, something that is is kind of like Doom is what I prefer as far as lore goes, because you can go as in-depth as you want or as shallow as you want. So if you want to play Doom, for instance, sorry, a little bit of a tangent, bear with me. If you want to play Doom, you can just go through and shoot, do a whole bunch of different stuff and just kill all the enemies, or... Alternatively, you can end up actually going in, reading all of the articles and stuff, reading all of the giant list of, uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff within there. So, Doom is a very good game. Not related to Destiny at all. Not a looter shooter or developed by Bungie, but still a good game. Also, bear in the Chat, hello, my friend. I don't know why you got caught by the bot, but hey, man, welcome on in. Elder Scrolls is also a really good example of lore. But moving on to the story before we get on a rabbit hole, because I am very much so able to get on a rabbit hole. Uh, Square Enix Montreal is no longer making Go games. The company is shifting to -to free-to-play games. If you have been hoping for a new clever mobile Go game from Square Enix Montreal, you are out of luck. In an interview with Pocket Gamer, the studio behind Hitman Go and Lara Croft Go says that it is no longer producing the premium mobile games in the series, focusing instead on free-to-play games. Square Enix Montreal studio head patrick nod confirmed that the studio is not working on any new go games, saying that quote one of the challenges we have today is the premium mobile market is diminishing he pointed specifically to their prices the go games are each 4.99 saying that is Quote, such a big barrier for mobile users. Square Enix Montreal was founded in 2011 as a traditional studio, but pivoted to mobile games, taking popular franchises such as Hitman, Deus Ex, and Lara Croft and turning them into board game-inspired mobile games. Hitman Go proved to be a surprising hit, and the studio followed up with Lara Croft Go in 2015 and Deus Ex Go in 2016. Last year, it changed things up with Hitman Sniper. The Go games were beautiful, turn-based puzzles that stripped the franchises down to their essences. Perfect for smaller screens. Despite the uh, declaration that they're no longer making the Go series, Nod says the studio will focus on mobile games, telling VentureBeat that it's making more money from in-app purchases and that they're shifting away from premium games, quote, taking the freemium approach in all of our next games. Uh, So, uh, this is actually... Something that I think is interesting, but something that I think we could have seen coming. Uh, Lara Croft Go, Deus Ex Go, and Hitman Go, I believe, were all available on standard kind of consoles, because I know that I played it. I, I specifically played Lara Croft Go and Hitman Go on my PlayStation Vita, and I'm pretty sure that they were also on the PS4 as well, uh, and also on other consoles. However, these games are beautiful. If you guys have not taken the time to play uh, especially Hitman Go, I think is really one that stands out. Uh, obviously from this screenshot, you can kind of get what the um what the overall vibe of the games are it's a really artsy take on Lara Croft Hitman and Deus Ex but a really really good take as well uh, i spent a good bit of time with the hitman and there were puzzles that are challenging, but not really super difficult, but something that's fun to really kind of sit down after a long day of work and make you think and just make you make you enjoy the art, really, is what I want to get out of these games. Uh, I'm going to miss the fact that these are not going to be in development any longer. I'm going to miss these games. They are very, very good uh, if you did want to ever give them a shot, but the thing with these games is that they are 4 99 or those games, is that they are 4 99 And for mobile users to invest $5 in just buying the game, there is some kind of mental block there where if I spend $60 on a game on my PS4, then that's fine because I understand that that is a premium game that is going to be a big game that's going to give me my bang for my buck. But for some reason, people think that spending any amount of money on a mobile game is not going to be worth their while. If you are a mobile gamer and you want to invest five bucks in a game, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're probably going to get a game that has been worked on uh, very diligently. You're probably going to get a game that is very high quality, especially if it's from a reputable studio like Square Enix. Uh, And Hitman Go is a perfect example of that because for five bucks, you are getting a lot you were getting a good bit, and I bought it on the PlayStation Vita. I think I got it for around $250 one day when it was on sale, and it was a really, really awesome experience. I um I loved it. I loved the Lara Croft version. I have not played Deus Ex, actually, but uh, sad to see that they're not going to be developing these anymore. Uh, I want more of what they've got, though, so I'm hoping for a freemium version of what Go was bringing to the table. Like, if you made some kind of Go game uh, that had maybe unlimited lives for a specific amount of like in-game currency, like stars or something, I I don't know what you've got going on but um if you did something like go i just want more go games like sincerely i want every franchise to have a go game that is perfectly fine because if you saw the uh, the screenshot with Lara croft the thing here is that these diamonds if you see them i'm circling them with my mouse right now Uh, So essentially, it's kind of like a game board, as it said, so you'll start off on one, and you'll have a specific amount of moves to get to the end goal of whatever it is, and so obviously right here, there's this little cliff that you jump up and run up, and that's a Lara Croft thing, and there are specific little nuances that make it a specifically Lara Croft take on go. So uh, Hitman had the same kind of thing, exciting stuff, but uh, I digress. We'll see what comes of uh, Square Enix Montreal, because I know that a lot of changes are probably coming down the pipe, and I'm hoping that Freemium does end up working out for them, because they make some really good stuff over there. But it's unfortunate to say that mobile games are not going to be able to take the standard kind of route when it comes to the uh, the standard kind of setup, when it comes to just buying a game. Uh, but Razum in the chat says, when someone mentions Go, why do I think about Pokemon? Because Pokemon Go. My friend, because Pokemon Go. But, yeah, it's it's definitely not like Pokemon Go. For those that may be confused, it's definitely not like Pokemon Go, without a doubt. Uh, Moving on to the next story of the day. For over a decade, a bug in Steam meant someone could take over your PC. Don't worry, it's fixed now. On March the 22nd, one of Steam's regular updates was rolled out, complete with fixes to the in-game overlay and problems involving corrupt items on the Steam Workshop. It also dealt with a bug that made it possible for someone to get access to the computer of anyone with Steam run code remotely, effectively taking over their computer. Security researcher Tom Court has blogged about the bug and its potential misuse, explaining that, quote, at its core, the vulnerability was a heap corruption within the Steam client library that could be remotely triggered in an area of code that dealt with fragmented datagram reassembly from multiple received UDP packets. I am incredibly impressed with myself that I was able to string those words together in an understandable format. What that means is that, as demonstrated in the video below, he could hijack a computer and run software remotely. In this test case, it was just a calculator app, but obviously, more malicious effects would have been possible. So, you, obviously, people just get into your computer. Fortunately, it was fixed quickly once Valve were made aware of the vulnerability, with a patch on the beta branch of Steam going live eight hours after it was discovered. As Cord says, this was a very simple bug made relatively straightforward to exploit due to a lack of modern exploit protections. The vulnerability code, or the vulnerable code, excuse me, was probably very... Very old, but as it was otherwise in good working order, the developers likely saw no reason to go near it or update their build scripts. The lesson here is that as a developer, it is important to periodically include aging code and build systems in your reviews to ensure they conform to modern security standards, even if the actual functionality of the code has remained unchanged. Uh, That is actually terrifying because I'm a big user of Steam. I've got uh, a lot of games in the library, and I've got a lot of time spent in these games. So to have somebody able to take over my PC sounds very, very scary, but... It has been fixed, and that is good. Also, Rasm in the chat says, Example of a paid mobile game, if anyone knows about it, Steven's Universe Attack of the Light isn't actually interesting from what I've seen. I will definitely have to give that one a look, because I'm a big fan of Steven Universe and that game style. Uh, but as far as the Steam stuff goes, if you uh, you know want to dive into it and uh, and see more about it, then obviously there is a article linked down below that you can click on and go over there and check out the video that is linked within the article and uh, and see more about it but i'm just glad that the code has been fixed that's one of those things where um you know you look at it and it's like wow i'm glad that wasn't me so that's kind of where I'm at with that, because that's absolutely terrifying. So, uh, yeah, but I did sound very smart over there saying all those big words with all those big things. So, again, you know, for developers out there that might be listening, for the, the you know, game devs that are trying to build something out, if, you, uh, if you're over there working on any kind of project, check your code multiple times. You know, it's kind of like as a writer guy in college where I write articles and stuff like that. Uh, I always proofread, and in the same kind of way, uh, I always proofread multiple times, I should say, and uh, and update everything, you know, it's kind of like updating a resume, really, so you should always proofread and update your resume to make sure that no mistakes are made, because that can definitely cost you your job, and you know what else can cost you your job? Leaving millions of people able to be accessed by remote servers and other kinds of hackers, so, uh, yes... Uh, Yes, I'm not technologically up on the level of people that can do that, but there are people out there that are very terrifying that I don't want to be involved with that can, in fact, get into my stuff. Moving on to the next story of the day. I always hate the Verges articles because that thing pops in. The Xbox One will reportedly soon support Alexa and Google Assistant. This is a pretty cool thing for those that don't want to use a headset or don't want to use their Connect. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to say the word Connect anymore. We're forgetting that thing exists, according to Microsoft. Microsoft's Xbox One console will soon include support for both Amazon's Alexa Digital Assistant and the Google Assistant. Windows Central reports that future versions of the Xbox One dashboard include the ability to enable Alexa and Google Assistant support through a skill on Both platforms. Microsoft is currently only supporting its own Cortana Digital Assistant through its Kinect accessory or a headset, but Cortana has a limited set of skills right now. They should just, in fact, adopt the other guys, because Google and Alexa are killing it, especially Alexa. I probably should stop saying that name because I'm sure that everything in my house is going off right now. The expansion to Alexa and Google Assistant support could mean Xbox users will be able to control their console through both the uh, both of the assistants. It's not yet clear exactly what features Microsoft will support, but it will likely mean Xbox One owners will not have to use a Kinect or a headset to issue voice commands. Uh, yes, it is very exciting to those that use that kind of thing. Microsoft Xbox veteran Albert Pinello recently joined Amazon to, quote, help the out how to grow Alexa slash Echo presence in gaming, and if this integration does go ahead, then it will be yet another major addition to Alexa's growing presence across devices. Microsoft has also been working with Amazon to integrate Alexa and Cortana, meaning all Windows 10 PCs will soon have Alexa built into them. I'm surprised you didn't set mine off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, uh, what's cool about this is that I've, I've been seeing all of these uh, all of these articles and stuff that have been popping up about how Microsoft is changing their approach because it used to be so Windows oriented. They were going, you know, twenty four seven. You got to use Windows. You got to use Windows. If you're not using Windows, I swear you're, we're not even gonna. You have no love from it. You know, it's just like you've got to use Windows. However, with this change of focus to where they're just trying to be more user-friendly, where they're just bringing in more user-friendly experiences and changing everything up that means that it's going to be a more accessible environment, because if I can just integrate whatever I've got into the Microsoft world, I am more likely to use Microsoft products. That's just a simple thing. Uh, for instance, I have an Xbox One that I'm not really using. If I had this, and I was a big fan of Alexa, then I might keep the Xbox One and continue playing it, but for me, I just I like PlayStation games, and on top of that, I don't really use my Alexa that much. However, the fact that it exists, the fact that somebody could say, Xbox, turn on, and the Alexa listens to it instead of their console or a headset that's an impressive little feature that i didn't expect to see i'm glad to see that that's happening i'm excited to see the future of this but um this is kind of just a growing uh, piece of evidence that the world of interconnected devices, the world of uh, the internet of things, if you will, uh, is definitely becoming more and more prevalent and is becoming a thing that is a viable way that we live our lives because we are going to become constantly connected whether we want to or not. I mean, already I am tuned into social media pretty much 24 hours a day, 365, and on top of that, uh, all these devices that are around me are talking to each other and continuing to talk to each other more, which is somewhat terrifying. Uh, So, if you did want to get in on that xbox one alexa google assistant integration and that should be rolling out uh, probably in the next two or three updates i would say uh over here in the chat Steffi says i use my echo and google home daily i have the twitch skill for alexa i did have the twitch skill as well but when it comes down to it i just probably watch on my pc anyways uh, and if not that then on my mobile device but hey where's that mixer support huh huh also selfless promo mixer.com slash samuel adams for you guys that are listening and or watching later come check me out. Moving on to the next story of the day, which I think was discussed last week with somebody in my chat, and I'm not sure who it was. Uh, But Devil May Cry 5 domain name has been registered. This is a breaking news story. Like that old, you know, timey sound. Uh, Might we see more at E3 next week? This literally was an hour ago. On New Year's Eve last year, esteemed game designer Hideki Itsuno apologized for failing to release a game in 2017. Work on his latest project, he said, was, however, quote, under climax, having directed Devil May Cry 2, 3, and 4. Could this incoming game be Devil May Cry 5? Question mark The domain name DevilMayCry5.com has now been registered by an unknown company. As unearthed by the DMC Discord via Reset Era, Japanese internet company Oname, tied itself to the domain on May 17, 2018. And while this doesn't confirm anything officially, it's worth noting that Capcom has used the same registrar to file monsterunderworld.com and residentevil7.com respectively in the past as reported by Gaimatsu, it appears Devil May Cry 6 8 and 9 were 7 huh we're 7 are also registered under Oname and the name oh, oh here we go and the domain name for Resident Evil 2 was updated on April 22nd, 2018. That doesn't answer my question. Anyways, Capcom has owned the latter since the game's release in 1997, but this might reflect its much-anticipated remake. We've reached out to Capcom on all of that, and we will update as soon as we hear back. In any event, with E3 just around the corner, let me turn this over to you lot. Will Devil May Cry 5 and or the Resident Evil 2 re- reimagining excuse me, show face in Los Angeles? You can share your thoughts in the comment section down below if you would like to do that so as far as this goes yes both of these games are probably going to be at the show and on top of that there was a leaked list of topics that are going to be discussed at the sony press conference i don't know if you guys saw last week's episode of caffeinate but i talked about the list of games i read through them or that might have actually been fully wired one of the two anyways these two games were on the list we're going to be seeing a brand new devil may cry 5 and on top of that well a brand new devil may cry that is supposedly 5 and then you also have the resident evil 2 remake that has been confirmed if that list is to be believed of course there are so many leaks from this year's e3 that um there are not going to be too many surprises if i was to say but still a lot of good games that are going to be rolling down and um you know by all means these two games both dmc 5 and also resident evil 2 are games that are going to be well loved by fans uh, they, these are games that have been long anticipated um Games that are going to be loved a lot. So to debut them at the Sony press conference would make sense because these are both kind of PlayStation-oriented franchises. And I know that a ton of people are out there looking for a true devil may cry experience so hopefully you'll be seeing that at this year's e3 i'm excited to hear more again at the sony show is when you should be seeing this if leaks are to be believed uh but again resident evil 2 is the one that i'm more excited about as compared to dmc 5 never been a big dmc guy just my two cents Steffi says but is it an og dmc sequel or a sequel to the dmc remake that they did no this should be a sequel to the main line um the dmc remake that they did is not supposed to be getting a sequel anytime soon that i'm aware of but this should be a mainline game just so you guys know yeah it should be a sequel to the to four that came out a long time ago uh moving on to the next story of the day evolve is shutting down dedicated servers and the free-to-play version 2k plans have announced uh what 2k has announced plans there we go over there quote from rock paper shotgun that has a, a thing in it Ooh! Uh, 2K has announced plans to largely end Evolve, the 4v1 monster hunting first-person shooter from Left 4 Dead creators Turtle Rock Studios. Though it will remain playable in a way. Evolve first launched back in February of 2015. That was before I graduated high school. Uh, then relaunched as the free-to-play Evolve Stage 2 in July of 2016. 2K plans to shut down Evolve to Stage 2 in September, or Evolve Stage 2, excuse me, uh, in September. Though people who have bought the original will be able to play Legacy Evolve without dedicated servers. This is one of those whimper ends. You'll hear poets going on. about about the shutdown will come in two stages. On July the 3rd, 2K will stop selling microtransaction currency bundles. unlock characters and skins will carry over to Legacy Evolve, so maybe you'd like to dress fancy as you cling to the husk of a game. Uh, on September the 3rd, 2K will shut down the dedicated servers, close the in-game store, and end Evolve stage 2. After that, people who, quote, own a retail copy of Evolve will be able to switch to Legendary Evolve. It will not have dedicated servers, ranked hunt mode, or leaderboards, but solo plays with bots and multiplayer over peer-to-peer connections will still work. P2P is... Always a bit wonky and fast FPSs, so this is a bit of a sorry state to live on, and it sounds like free-to-play players uh, will be out left in the cold, which is a bummer, especially given that they could have paid a fair bit into it. Some third-party stores and key resellers still seem to be selling Evolve if you really want to continue. I personally do not. 2K does not want to say why they are shutting down. I bet I can guess, but I don't feel off-the-mark guessing that it simply wasn't making enough money for them to think it worth keeping up. They had already stopped commissioning content updates from Turtle Rock in October of 2016, so its fate seemed clear. Poor Evolve, it was a promising but a little off-the-mark, as our Alex said in the conclusion to his Evolve review. So, I was discussing Evolve in my chat on Mixer last week. Uh, We can go on and read more, but you get the gist of it. Um... This was a game that suffered because of the time that it was released, okay? So, right now, in the world that we're living, you have two games that are very much so Monster Hunter kind of games. Number one, you've got Monster Hunter World, and then you have the free-to-play Dauntless. Uh, so, these two games combine... Uh, really good assets, and then if you brought something like Evolve into the mix, it could bring in enough of the the FPS kind of thing that we've been seeing growing over the past couple of years, and become something that is a viable alternative, or a viable option as a competitor uh, to both Monster Hunter World and Dauntless. If this game had been released in 2018, I think that it could have been a game that had a much brighter life. I think that it could have been a game that was very well-received in the long run. However, because of the way that it was received, because of everything that happened, it just didn't get the love that it deserved. I played Evolve for a while. I played uh, two betas of the game, and then I bought it on PS4. I rented it on PS4, something along those lines. And um, I enjoyed it, but the thing was, it was so dependent on having people to play with that you knew how they played and that you knew fairly well. That was one thing that Evolve did not do very well, is being an accessible Uh, game for everybody. Uh, And number two... Uh, the way that DLC was handled was a little bit muddled. It was, eh, you know, it was kind of rough. Uh, but as far as it goes, this game just suffered because of the time frame that it was released in, and it's kind of unfortunate because there's a lot of potential uh, within Evolve. It could come back in the form of Evolve Two or some kind of uh, some kind of uh, relatively different kind of name. However, uh, one person, in my chat last night and on Mixer, we were discussing. I think, or it was either last night or a couple of days back, uh, and he said that it seems like more of a game that should be called Dissolve. And I was like, oh, the shade has been thrown. The shade has been thrown. In my chat, I prefer Monster Hunter anyways. A little bit different. You know, both games have their own unique takes. But I do understand what you're saying. Rasm says, it still sounds awesome to play like the Monster Hunter and Rampage all over there. Yes, that is a cool asset of it as well. Monster Hunter has kind of ruled that for a while. Yeah, they're always ruling that market over there with Monster Hunter. uh, Especially considering it's Capcom's best-selling game of all time. Something along those lines. Or best-selling launch. We talked about it on Caffeinate like three months ago insane to have a game that is released in January and breaks records. That That is unheard of. Okay, Games don't release in January and traditionally break records. I'm sure that there are a couple of wild hairs here and there, but when it comes to regular games just releasing in January, that's not something you see. It seems like fall and then spring of the times that you release big games. Uh, not necessarily January, which just goes to show that the gaming industry is growing and that it does not really matter when you release a game as long as you have a quality game. Uh, Beau, Beau, Hmm. Uh, though, moving on to the next story of the day, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Blackout test map was 144 square miles of Black Ops lore goodness. Moving on, Call of Duty fans are a dedicated lot, perennially making Activision's FPS release among a bestseller. This year, Treyarch Studios is tasked with delivering the latest franchise entry, Call of Duty Black Ops War. The long and storied history of the Black Ops series will be celebrated as part of a new Battle Royale mode, Shocker, titled Blackout. But, game director Dan Bunting wants fans and skeptics to know this is not just another Fortnite or PUBG clone. Quote, you're playing a Call of Duty game, which is inherently going to be different. The gunplay, the way weapons feel and movement feels, is one of the best in the industry for the first-person shooter experience. It's going to feel like Call of Duty, which is good, he told Newsweek. We've always said there's sort of a secret sauce for how our gameplay feels in multiplayer. It is true, there is nothing that feels just like Call of Duty. The movement, the gunplay, all that stuff, we didn't want to sacrifice any of that. The mode will feature characters, vehicles, and weapons from across all Black Ops games, so diehard fans can get pumped for familiar faces, while casual players can get a crash course in who's who. Treyarch hasn't confirmed a player count, but it's testing out some truly mammoth maps to push their dev tools to the absolute limit. Quote, we have invested a huge amount of our development energy into those tools. They can basically paint terrain down in massive, massive spaces. We had a test map of 12 miles by 12 miles as the biggest space we were able to build and run. Bunting said, again, this is running on an Xbox One, a PS4, and a PC. That's impressive to have 12 by 12. I just don't know how sparsely it's populated. Uh, don't expect the in-game version to give you 144 square miles. Fortnite is about one square mile, adding in some calculations. Uh, for those that don't know about PUBG, I think it's about six, if I remember correctly. I posted it on Twitter. Uh, you can go f- dig through hundreds of tweets. Uh, but... Uh, it's going to be very impressive, especially with Treyarch's commitment to maintaining a respectable frame rate. Bunting explained the development on Blackout included beefing up some back-end tech, too. Quote, We are always committed to 60 FPS for multiplayer experiences. Thank you. Uh, He said, On top of that, when you have large specs, you also... Spaces, excuse me. You also have to have better streaming technology. So we invested in our streaming tech to make sure the experience runs at 60 FPS. At its core, Blackout Mode is just one of several multiplayer experiences in Black Ops 4 alongside traditional multiplayer and a Zombies Mode. Meant to emphasize what Bunting sees as a dominating trend in gaming that favors multiplayer experiences over single-player ones. And multiplayer experiences require ongoing support. So we could go on. You know, there's more quotes and stuff. But essentially... Uh, this is going to be a huge freaking game. Again, I wouldn't expect 144 square miles. You know, that's a bit much. But I did want to at least point out that what they have with Blackout is exciting because there is so much potential here. There is so much that can be done within Blackout because you have iconic uh, you know, locations and experiences from the original Black Ops that we're talking about from Black Ops 2, Black Ops 3, etc. There's so much lore there. And I know that we don't normally talk about Call of Duty with lore. Seems to be the word of the day. But um, there's just so much there that it would be a crime to just completely ignore that it exists and do something completely different like a Fortnite or like a, a a PUBG kind of thing. To be able to characterize the world that we're playing a Battle Royale game in is going to be a big, big benefit because there's so much there to be explored. However, um, if I was to guess, I would say that the final size of the game is probably going to be around the size of the map of PUBG, the original map of PUBG, or even a little bit smaller, just depending on the size of the locations that they're going to put, like the big, iconic uh, locations on the map. That's going to be a big factor in how big the final game is actually going to be when it comes to Blackout. Of course, as the article said, there's going to be the traditional multiplayer, there's going to be zombies. No single player in this year's Black Ops, but this is a game uh, that I'm going to be playing and streaming a lot of because I grew up on COD, Uh, I took a couple of years off from it with Advanced Warfare and Infinite Warfare because I liked it. But I didn't like it enough to keep going back to it. That's kind of the way that I saw those couple of games. So I went back with World War Two. It was okay. It scratched an itch, but I did not buy the DLC. So hopefully, with Black Ops Four, I will be diving back into it, enjoying it, and uh, and really getting back into what I consider to be my gaming foundations. The uh, those those fundamental experiences that made me into the nerd that I am today, uh, and yeah. So I'm excited about Black Ops, but we'll see what goes on. Again, releasing a little bit earlier—not a November game this year—kind of crazy, actually. Uh, so we'll see what goes on with that. But uh, a lot of changes going on over there at Treyarch, and also I would assume at Activision, uh, as we've seen with not only Black Ops and Call of Duty, but also with Destiny and stuff like that. They've got a lot of stuff going on over there behind the publisher, and uh, and it's going to be a couple of a couple of interesting years, I would say, for both iconic franchises. Moving on to the next story of the day—I said it was going to be a thick episode with with like seven C's. It is a thick one for Star. Wars. Wars titles have been added to the Xbox Games Pass. Four Star Wars games have been added. Uh, classic RPG Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is now available. It is a must if you have never played it. Trust us and everyone else who loves the game. Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga was also added. It is rather great as well. Again, nothing like Knights of the Old Republic. It features the first six Star Wars episodes with 36 levels and challenge modes. 2008 action title Star Wars The Force Unleashed, a fantastic game, uh, which takes place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, is now available. It puts players in the role of Starkiller, which is a completely new character that was made for this game. The best part, you'll play as Darth Vader's apprentice. It's good to be the villain sometimes. And the fourth title is Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2, and you return as Starkiller, sort of. This time out, the player is tasked with finding their lady love, Juno Eclipse, before bounty hunter Boba Fett finds her first. Uh, so for those that have never played the Force Unleashed titles, I would say that they are two of my favorite Star Wars games to date. There is something special about playing a Starkiller. This dude is just a genuine badass, and to be Darth Vader's apprentice, to be able to build in all these little nuances, and to become a truly ingrained force in the in the world of Star Wars is something that is very difficult to do, but these two games do it well. Of course, Knights of the Old Republic, great, iconic game. Star Wars The Complete Saga Lego stuff. Lego's great. Always love Lego. But in the chat, uh, Steffi says, I play maybe an hour of COD. It died a bazillion times. It is what it is. I have both Force Unleashed games. Love them both. Fantastic. The thing that I love the most about the Force Unleashed is that whenever he does the lightsaber swipe, whenever he chops people in half, it is the most satisfying, genuine, like, that's how it's supposed to look kind of thing, where just somebody's got a clean cut glowing, a glowing cut where the where the lightsaber just goes through him. I love uh, picking up people with the Force, throwing them across the... Oh, so much to love about Star Wars The Force Unleashed. So dive into it if you've got Xbox Game Pass. Totally worth your time really good games I'm sure they hold up well and of course every game that is released that is an Xbox 360 backwards compatibility title compatible, uh, compatible title uh, is probably going to run a little bit better on your Xbox one. Rizum says, I've seen some people play The Force Unleashed. Very interesting story. Yes. uh, It's one of the few games that I definitively remember growing up. And I say growing up. It's been 10 years. You know what I'm saying. Uh, I definitively remember playing through the entire thing and truly enjoying it. But uh, it could have a remake or it could indeed have a sequel because right now would be the perfect time uh, to throw in a sequel to The Force Unleashed because everybody is doing these new experiences where you've got Solo, you've got rumors about a Boba Fett movie coming down the pipe, uh, you've got Rogue One. So to have a spinoff game that focuses on this character that was not in the original lore or the original trilogy uh there could be another game coming down the pipe or maybe a remake we'll see what happens i don't know that it warrants a remake because the game itself is fine but i wouldn't be complaining if it was around 30 bucks that sounds good to me so we'll see what goes on but um again no confirmation of that remake Uh, but that is a good idea or a good a good uh you know prediction that we've got in the chat there so if you want to play these games then by all means dive in xbox games pass has it available for you now and now I want to go ahead and and kind of cut this part of the uh, part of the show out, because this is our final story, two stories, actually, of the day, that I did want to discuss, because this is something that I think is very, very significant. Uh, so, uh, welcome to this video. I cut this out of today's episode of Caffeinate, and I'm uploading it as a additional video, or an additional video, rather. But this is actually Pride Month. It kicks off Pride Month, and uh, celebrate Pride Month with this free PS4 theme. So, a new theme titled, quote, For All the Players is free on the PlayStation. Store today. It features bold rainbow designs on a white background. The theme's release coincides with Pride Month, which occurs every June in celebration of the LGBTQ community. So if you want to get that, then that's available on the uh, PlayStation Store for you for free if you did want to download that. And also to note, this guy that is uh, that is playing this or has this theme on his PS4 is 123 as far as... Man, that's a lot of trophies. Uh, but also... Uh, Twitch celebrates Pride Month with emotes, fundraising, and more. Loud and proud. Throw on your color streamers, Twitch has geared up for Pride Month with the release of a new Pride-themed emote uh, pack, fundraising for LGBTQ plus charities, and featuring of LGBTQ plus members from within its community each day of June. Twitch will also take part in this year's Pride Parade in San Francisco and has partnered with It Gets Better to create a video of its staff coming out stories to inspire LGBTQ plus youth. That video and the full schedule of featured creators can be seen on the Twitch blog. Quote, our community is strongest and our creators make the best content when everyone at twitch feels like they belong and can be themselves said Brittany brown the community campaign manager at twitch since diversity and inclusivity are core principles of twitch we have planned an entire month of events and fundraisers dedicated to promoting and maintaining these values twitch has also partnered with human rights campaign to release a line of t-shirts not only do they don the rainbow flag but there are also designs featuring the transgender bisexual and lesbian colors all profits seven dollars per shirt pretty good deal, we will go directly to HRC. They are for sale in the Twitch merchandise store. There are also five new emotes and cheer emotes donning Pride colors, and don't worry about them disappearing after this month. They are permanent. Like its fundraising t-shirts, the new emotes don the colors of the LGBTQ+, transgender, bisexual, and lesbian flags. The cheer emotes feature different animations of the LGBTQ+, flag. Twitch is hardly the only portion of the games industry celebrating Pride this month. Sony has also released a special theme that we just talked about that is available for free. Uh, So this is something that is a subject that I have always kind of try to avoid because of the way that it's received in the gaming community. I'm done doing that, okay? Um, just being quite frank about it, I'm a straight wide male. You know, I'm just your standard, I am literally your cooker, cooker cutter, your cookie cutter average dude, you know, I'm just literally the guy that you would expect me to be. However, what I love about being a part of the online content community and what I love about being a part of what we have here is... Is that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter, you know, how you speak, what your sexuality might be, any kind of factor. Nothing about that matters. You know, nothing. It's all about coming together and number one, being a part of a community, whether it's mine, whether it's someone else's, whether it's the PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, PC, uh, Twitter, whatever it may be. You have this community online that is accepting and that is, and that is there for you no matter what. And as somebody who is considered the, you know, like I said, cookie cutter. Uh, to be able to give somebody a hug, to be able to give somebody a handshake, to be able to say, "Hey, man, welcome on in." To be able to just be a genuinely good person that understands that even though this is not a lifestyle that I personally live, the fact that somebody else lives it is something that should be celebrated, accepted, and enjoyed. Uh, but uh, I do want to just point it out that uh, this is a good way to. Change up the narrative of the gaming culture because traditionally gamers have been seen as uh, non really identifying with this kind of thing. It's been seen as something that is made fun of, mocked sometimes. Uh, there are slurs that have been thrown around many, many times in many, many chats and many, many streams uh, that throw this kind of lifestyle on these people under the bus. And that's something that I want to see change because I'm tired of seeing that. You know, again, it doesn't really affect me. It's not something that I, uh, you know, have a big problem with in my own life, but to see friends be impacted by this, to see people. People that are awesome, uh, impacted by this kind of thing, is something that needs to change, and I'm not a big fan of that. So I think that this is a good move, however, the issue is that within the, especially social media side of the gaming community, uh, but in all of them, this is going to be something that is mocked. Whenever these emotes come out on Twitch, they are going to be mocked. I mean, Cap Pride is something that is thrown around on Twitch, and not the way that you would traditionally expect, but, you know, it is what it is. So if you see things that are that should be talked about, if you see things that should be addressed, if you see somebody being a uh, a less than quality individual by all means say something you know reach out and talk to them and be like listen that's not the way we want to be seen and uh, if they respond you know do all your reporting and harassment speech and all that good stuff uh fight back against all of this stuff because the bigotry in the gaming industry has got to change i'm tired of seeing the same thing year after year and i don't want to be a part of the problem by being complacent that's the main thing that i want to say You know, complacency is something that is easy to fall into. It's something that is easy to embrace, even. And it's something that is comfortable. Don't be comfortable. Get out of there, do your thing, make the world a better place, and become part of the movement. Uh, But, uh, in the chat, Steffi says, I've gotten a lot of crap for it in the past, so I'm not normally open about it, but I definitely identify as bisexual. I love that people are finally coming around this to being normal. Exactly. And, again, you know, I'm the straight white male. I'm a dude that should... You know, I shouldn't be even I shouldn't really have a problem with this, but I do because everybody needs to be able to feel like they are part of something awesome. So that's what I have to say about that. Um again, I cut this out specifically to let you guys know that all of this was happening. If you want to download that stuff or if you want to buy a t-shirt, if you want to get in on those emotes then by all means you can take advantage of all of that. But again, you know, uh what I have online regardless of platform, Mixer, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, whatever it may be, uh I love you guys equally. That's just how it is. So yeah, But uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode of Caffeinate. If you did then by all means, drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube. If you are listening on podcast services later, uh, by all means, hit me up over there. Give that a favorite on Anchor. Uh, or leave me a rating on iTunes if you want to give me some applause on Anchor as well. All of the links for everything are in the description box down below, but I appreciate you guys being here. I will be live later on tonight on Mixer.com slash Samuel Adams. We've got an episode of The Drop uh, going up today at 11 a.m. if you want to catch up on the hottest games that are coming out to a console near you this week. Uh, it's a pretty big week for gaming releases. Surprisingly, enough right before e3 so you know that that's pretty cool as well but uh, again if you want to follow me on twitter at pretty chill guy you can know when all of that stuff goes live but as for right now you guys have a fantastic rest of your day i will talk to you soon and peace